Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and cloud services provider, Kava Taharian. And <laughs> I am, um, I'm just, you know, writing it down in a notebook and then tearing out the page and jamming it into your back pocket and then being like, no, I had really important information that I should have put on a cloud server, but I'm not because yeah. I'm a piece of paper that is jammed in a notebook or that is jammed in a jeans. I'm just, I'm Angelina Mian there. That's what I'm getting at. Analog Angie. That's I'm what I'm going to start calling you. Oh, that just reminds me of like the worst like improv game or like just like, I guess, get to know each other game that you play like in theater mm-hmm. and improv and even office jobs where it's like hey everyone okay. let's introduce ourselves and say an adjective about your you that like Ugh, goes with your first that begins with the first letter of your of can't the stand this comment yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> i'm like analog angelina and then everyone calls you analog angelina for the rest of the analog eight weeks angelina and that's how you commit murder <laughs> Speaking of murder, I have no idea if that transition works. I've never seen this. Today, we were talking about a movie that I assume has murder in it called My Fair Lady. Yeah, everything about that title speaks to like the subject of somebody, um, you know, getting murdered. I'm not going to disappoint you and let you find out for yourself. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm nah. going to have to watch it. Uh, yeah, we have to watch it or something. No, we are talking about Lerner and Lowe's My Fair Lady. Uh, one, of, one, of, one of my mom's favorite movies. I haven't seen this movie yeah. in for fucking ever, but I have I've seen it like basically at least like once a month. It felt like between like the ages of really? seven and like 12. This is like one of my mom's favorite movies. And was uh, this was this one that was playing on TV or just like your mom put it on constantly on my, VHS or something? My mom would like rent it from Blockbuster all the time to the nice. point where I'm like, why do you not just own this movie, mother? You could you could own it my fair weird. lady. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, you, I, did you have movies in your family that were like rental movies only, but you rented them enough times that like. I don't remember having a rental only movie. It's, oh, it's strange. man. I'm like, I can't yeah, think. I, think is... like, I, I mentioned this last episode. It's like you just do. We would do like the HBO free preview. And sure, then like record sure. off of the TV. Sure. And then they were like, that's what you're going to watch. I mean, we still rented, but it wasn't like yeah. we had a movie that we kept. Re- it that felt w- like if you did a rental more than once, that was like a, that was a very wasteful thing sure, to do. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you used up a slot. You... Yeah, precious $4. Right, what exactly. <laughs> I guess it was because my mom was the mom and she could rent it whenever she wanted, you know. But it was also like, mom, yeah, why, why didn't you just buy it? And then eventually, you know, it started showing up in Turner Classic Movies all the time. And, you know, mm. we... we'd. We'd watch that there too, but I, yeah, I, I'd seen this movie so many times as a as a small kid. It was one of the first like musicals I had ever like. I remember getting she- my mom when I started learning like an instrument for school. My mom bought me like mm-hmm. all the sheet music to My Fair Lady for the clarinet. <laughs> so, That's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was one of the first musicals I ever really, really, really like liked, and as a small kid. Um, Mm-hmm. So I, I, which in hindsight, I feel like every musical we talk about, you're always like, and then this is the first musical that was like the greatest sure. thing I ever saw. I loved it. It wasn't like my favorite <laughs> favorite thing ever, to to be honest. But it was just like, oh, like I, you know, when you started branching outside of the realm of Disney shows and like things meant for kids, I guess, like Annie. Just in in my lifespan of like things that I was thinking about, it was My Fair Lady, Annie. Like as I started really, and West Side Story. Like it was kind of like those three were like. All three together at the same time. Uh, right around of. the same time, yeah. That and like Fiddler okay, on the okay. Roof. I, you're right. I'm like, wait, but like. Tradition. Like, yeah, tradition. But uh, yeah, My Fair Lady was definitely my mom's favorite of the, you know, I think of all the classic movie musicals, my mom's mm-hmm. was probably My Fair Lady. And so like, I always think of my mom when I think about the show. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have any, nice. any, any, uh, 
any inclination of, of what this uh, this is about or any affiliation with it or I think I mean I sort of I think this is the original so I haven't really seen it mm-hmm. I feel like Sarah made me watch some scene a few years ago of a song that she really liked that it's totally escaped me mm-hmm. but the one thing I do remember for some stupid reason I kept confusing this with the scene in Mary Poppins ah. where they're like on the for, like every time I would see my fair lady posters I'm like I would remember what I'm talking about where they're like on the yeah. The carousel and yeah, they're like wearing yeah. the... She's got that big white... It's like the same... It's set like... They're both like Edwardian London. So it's like a lot of the fashion is the same. Yeah, like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I understand I that. I think when I, would, when, I, when I would think of that, for some reason, I would just think of Mary Poppins. I don't know uh-huh. why. I, I, those two, I get mixed up in my head for some stupid reason. But well, there's no, a very... I've never, I've never seen it, but um, I do know that it's like... I think this is the... Is this the original, like... Like, hey, she needs to get cleaned up and we're going to fancy her up so she's like, presentable, <laughs> right? Like, that's this is they, like the archetype of that. Yeah, believe, well, like well it's based on, it is a musical version of the archetype for that, which is George Bernard Shaw's play, The uh, Pygmalion, which this is a literal adaptation okay. of that. Um, so okay. and technically George Bernard Shaw, and it's also based on a Greek myth. So I guess the Greek myth is the OG version of this. Sure, sure. I just meant like in pop culture, sure, of like yeah. what, what we would have references for. Like, this is probably the first one. Like, yeah. I don't know what is pretty woman was the one that we grew up with. Pretty with woman. And like, she's that all that. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like all that stuff. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. A, 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 th- a diamond in the rough as, type as, as, like, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the original, yeah. like she takes her glasses off and then she's like beautiful. Which right. I heard, you've heard me complain about that before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this isn't that doesn't like quite happen really in this. But yeah, the permutations of it have made it like, oh, all she needed was a bath. And now she's hot, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which man? All she if, was bad. It, that if if that were me, that would have like solved so many of my life's problems. But I guess my this goodness. and it's not too late, Angie. You no, can still I can I can still take a bath. <laughs> uh, that's my goal for in my five year plan is to take a bath at some yeah. point. Uh, <laughs> And then I end up marrying like a prince of like Austria or something afterwards. Perfect. Uh, well, yeah, five year plan, basic stuff. But yes, uh, My Fair Lady, debatably kind of the beginner of this. George Bernard Shaw's The Pygmalion, which we'll talk about a little later, um, was mm-hmm. also an immensely huge, like successful play and a big part of early 20th century pop culture. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'd give it more to, to that than My Fair Lady itself, but like, sure. yeah, like I guess yes. maybe we're ta- I'm talking film in, in, a, in a way, sure, right? I'm sure, sure. cinema. Yeah, I'm thinking of. Yeah, gotcha, you're right, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I did want to say there also is an interesting connection. I can see why you might have thought this was Mary Poppins, not just because of the fashion, but uh, My Fair Lady, the stage show, is also what launched really launched the career of Julie Andrews because she was originally Eliza oh, okay. Yeah, in the Broadway ah, production okay. of it, and then in the West End production of it too. Uh, and very famously not cast in the movie. She's Eliza Doolittle. This has nothing to do with yes. Dr. Doolittle. I no, nothing to do at all with Dr. Doolittle. But is that again, just a common last name back then? Like I Doolittle? I just thought that was like a made up for Dr. Doolittle. I didn't realize that was like a con- like anyone more than one character would have been yeah. named Doolittle. Um, if we have any listeners out there named Doolittle, we are more than happy to have you chime in on the <laughs> noble and long lineage of this great surname of England. Um, but as far as I, I know, I... I, I, I well, there's another funny connection to Doctor Doolittle because Rex Harrison is in this fucking thing, and one day we, <laughs> one day we will suffer, uh, Doctor Doolittle. But today is not the day. Today we're going to actually watch a good thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, uh, all, all I know is that this is an all-time classic. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody loves it, or yeah. I guess everybody of a generation loved it. And sure, it's, it's one of those. It's in the in the halls of of musical movies, and yes. of course uh, Audrey Hepburn being. 
Audrey the star Hepburn. of this being like, you know, you know, that's that's it. It's, yeah. it's, it's an Audrey Hepburn movie. Everybody loves it. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that said, would you like to get into the notes? Yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah. note it up. Right. All right. <laughs> I apologize uh, in advance. I have no idea. <laughs> My Fair Lady is a 1964 American musical drama directed by George Cukor. Adapted from the 1956 Learner and Low stage musical based on George Bernard Shaw's 1913 stage play Pygmalion. The film stars Audrey Hepburn, Rex mm-hmm. Harrison, and Stanley Holloway. The latter two both reprising their Tony Award winning performances here. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. So that's the shade that you're referring to where yeah. it yes. should have been Julie Andrews and they yes. were like, nope. We we want a star. She quite, she hadn't quite exploded yet to that point of stardom. Mary Poppins was going to be the thing that did that for her. You know, listen, Julie Andrews would have exploded no matter what her first film would have been. Exactly. She is just transcendent. But we we have swapped her out here for um, uh, Audrey Hepburn, who is also uh, very famously dubbed in this, too. She was is dubbed by Marnie Nixon, who was kind of like the big Broadway dubber for leading ladies in musical films. She did the voices, singing voice of Anna and the King and I and Maria and West Side Story. And here she is uh, doing uh Eliza Doolittle singing voice here, um, mm. which Audrey Hepburn was not aware of was going to happen famously. <laughs> oh, so she sang the whole time. Yeah, she sang the whole time. And I think like in the 90s or early 2000s, they found the recordings of Audrey Hepburn singing these How songs. Did it sound? Yeah. Or did um, you hear him? They're, they're, she's, she's a weaker singer, but like I personally. Sure. I've, I I don't know how much I've gotten into my philosophy about having a great singing voice being versus being like an actor who can sing. And for most things, I'd prefer an actor who can sing. So a part of me is just kind of like, I wonder what that would have been like. That seems to be the trend now, right? Now they don't they don't dub anymore. Like all the, the Tom no, movies. And yeah, stuff. they, they don't dub. They say Russell Crowe, go for it. But see, now now you're saying that. And I'm just like, you know what? I need to just put my foot in my fucking mouth sometimes and shut the oh, fuck is this, up. Is this like a hot take or something? Are people like mad about that? Uh, People are not fans of a lot of like the Tom Hooper style of a of 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 casting actors who can. I guess it's 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 a hard balance to walk with movie film movies in particular. But even in stage Mm -hmm. shows, I don't mind if someone is more of an actor who can sing versus a singer, you know, um, who might not necessarily translate to film well uh i mean because because you you see polar opposites of that where you have the les mis movie and then you have the rent movie where everyone is just too old and too stage acty for it to (laughs) really translate we never saw i never watched it remember we only watched the (gasps) that's right we never actually watched the film film well consider yourself luck today is your lucky day you get to sit (laughs) in the fact that you have not seen the uh rent film seems like the best of both worlds we have a broadway singer and a iconic movie star right right same role i could see why i could see the appeal yeah yeah Closely following the plot of Shaw's immensely popular play, My Fair Lady tells the story of Eliza Doolittle, a working class flower girl in Edwardian London whose thick Cockney accent catches the ear of the prickly Phoenician. Is that the right word? Phoenician? Phoenician? Phoenician. Phoenician. I guess linguist. The linguist, Phoenician, and bachelor Henry Higgins. Though publicly shamed by Higgins for her manner of speech, Eliza later seeks him out for speech lessons in the hopes of being able to procure a job in a flower shop. After agreeing to teach her, Wiggins wages with his close friend, the kindly linguist Colonel Pickering, that he will be able to pass Eliza off as a lady of high society within the next six months. This sort of feels like, um, what do they call it? Uh, code switching, where like you, you have your own oh, voice sure. and like your speech pattern that you speak when you're with 
with non non white people, and then you put on the white voice, right? Right. Is, right. Uh, was the movie the the fucking Boots Riley movie? I'm drawing a blank. Um, sorry to bother you, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're no, like white voice only here. Right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. No. It, 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 it. Eliza basically is doing yeah code switching from her her Cockney like upbringing to like this fine lady that Henry Higgins is trying to make her in. To. Although, yes. if I recover or recall correctly from at least the Shaw play, she's like, I can't even remember mm-hmm. how to speak like that anymore. By the end, it's like kind of like a fuck, a fuck you. Oh, sure, yeah. She's yeah. like, I never had an accent to begin with. It's, very, <laughs> it's an immigrant thing for sure, too. Like having to sure. learn how to speak like people absolutely don't take you seriously when you have oh, like absolutely. an absolutely like yeah, unless my, it's a British accent. Unless it's British, it. yeah. Then they're like, it's like that. What's a love actually? A, not a movie I love, but like where the guys like show up at this midwestern bar and they're like the ugliest. British oh, dudes, right, right. I remember but like, that. they yeah. have a British accent, and all the uh, women are like, "Yeah, he's hot. Yeah. We love him." No, but I was just going to say, like, uh, yeah, my my uh, my um, mother and her brothers and sisters were eventually not allowed to speak Spanish at home because my papa uh-huh. was not allowed to speak Spanish growing up, and uh, yeah, and it entered the military and kind of just did this. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't speak Spanish really anymore thing. <laughs> and that yeah, is like are. the perils of. But anyway, a tangent yeah. there. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think that's relatable. That's that's some that's some sort of framing it is thinking about it in terms of that. Like I can sure, see yeah. how that would be relatable. Yeah, um, yeah. I, although I imagine the end of this film is probably not the same kind of moral that one would make for <laughs> this movie today. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, actually, well, that that'll be a major point of discussion. We'll get to that. Actually, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll put a pin in that. You'll put a pin in that one. Uh, let's see. As his plan begins to work, Eliza also manages to catch the romantic eye of a young man, Freddie Eisenford Hill. Subsequently, Eliza's resentment of Higgins's cruelty and objectification of her only grows, while Higgins begins to realize the extent to which he has grown accustomed and endeared to her company. Uh-oh. Will Higgins, will Higgins manage to pull off his ultimate ruse? Will Eliza self-actualize into the lady she aspires to be? Is George Bernard Shaw's ghost happy that he inspired the plot for enough romantic comedies to fill a cable TV movie channel? I guess you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. like Hallmark. Yeah. All this and more in my fair lady ooh ooh put some putting some <laughs> spice on that right there that was that was particularly yeah. raspy you're getting really good at this i'm a little i'm a little worried now Thank you. No, I love it. I love it. Uh, My Fair Lady, the stage musical premiered in New York City on March 15th, 1956 at the Mark Hellinger Hellinger Theater. Hellinger, I think. Hellinger, Hellinger, Hellinger. It's a church now. Anyway. (laughs) It transferred to the Broadhurst Theater and then the Broadway Theater, where it closed on September 29th, 1962, after 2,717 performances, a record at the time. Mm-hmm. While Rex Harrison's turn as Henry Higgins brought him a Tony Award, the original production is also known for having helped launch the career of, as we mentioned earlier, Julie yes. Andrews. CBS head William S. Paley financed the original Broadway production in exchange for the rights to the cast album through Columbia Records. That's a good business deal. Uh, Warner Brothers bought the film rights in February 1962 for the then unprecedented sum of $5.5 million. Yes. So, ostensibly, this show was a hit in its own time on the Broadway stage and was already kind of highly anticipated for a film version. I think out of all of the Lerner, Alan J. Lerner and Frederick Lowe are the songwriting team behind it, and they are behind mm-hmm. other such musicals like Camelot and Brigadoon, which... 
none of them are as good as my fair lady. And uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the, the very funny thing is, is that uh, George Bernard Shaw did not want a musical version of my fair lady ever made or, or of the of Pygmalion ever made because he had had really bad experiences, both in the Pygmalion being adapted for film in 1938, which that was like towards the very end of his life. And they changed a lot mm-hmm. of shit. It won Oscars. He notoriously got an Oscar for adapting the screenplay and then got mad that he got an Oscar. Um <laughs> But also, like... That's the, relatable, though. I'd be really annoyed if I got an award yeah. for anything I ever did. He, he'd said something to the effect of, like, how dare they give me an Oscar as if they don't know who I am. They might as well give an Oscar to King George, you know? Like, that was, like... It, <laughs> but apparently he also kept his Oscar in his office, you know? And, like, so it's just, like... I mean, George Bernard Shaw was a notorious shit-talker, so it's just a, another mm. entry in the line of shit-talking. But uh, primarily the big thing about Pygmalion is it ends with... I guess maybe we'll save this for the second half because then it'll be... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's just a couple of things that were very important to George Bernard Shaw that even when the play debuted in like 1918, people were like, you gotta do this. I wish you had done this instead. I really wish so-and-so and so-and-so had done, done this, this, and that. Like there was already fandom for yeah, Pygmalion. Yeah. It was immensely popular and people were like, why wasn't the ending like this? I wish you had done it and written it like this. He was the George Martin of his George R. R. Martin of his day. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much like constantly writing things, working an adaptation for it, but also just being like, Don't tell me how to end my stories. <laughs> God damn it. He, he was also just a notorious revisor. I think there's like two or three versions of the Pygmalion floating around. I don't know if you ever had to read it in high school. I had to, but like. I don't remember if I did. I also didn't read a lot in high school in, in terms of what I was supposed to read, but. Sure. Stay in school, kids. Don't be like <laughs> Stay, me. You'll end yeah. up hosting a podcast. Right. You'll end up hosting a podcast about musicals, of all things in particular. As punishment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is your punishment if you don't read The Pygmalion in high school, uh, just, yes. just so you're aware of that. But uh, yeah, there's already just like this idea of like, how do we end this happily um, for audiences that desperately want it to be happy? Um, mm. And uh, Shaw, Shaw's plays um, in general tend to be of like this very progressive, uh, what 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 we would say as like very left or pr- pr- very left wing, for, especially for it today, um, kind mm-hmm. of morals that he wanted to push across. And a lot of them had to do with like, you know, women's suffrage and universal rights for mm. people. But also he was a man full of a lot of contradictions. So <laughs> as, as most sure. of us I'll are, who amongst yeah, us is yeah. not a man of many contradictions, especially at this podcast right here. Real quick before we go to our break, is this a show that's still put on a lot? Like, yes. is it, has it yes. been on Broadway a lot recently? There was, there was a, it, did it build anyone's careers that we know of like more recently? Ooh, or? Um, I mean, usually now when it is put on, because it, it just had a revival like in 2020, I think. And it was with mm-hmm. uh, like Norbert Leo Butts played Eliza Little, Doolittle's father. And I think it was, was it Laura Benanti that played? No, right now when it's put on, it's usually like a star vehicle show now. Like it's not usually mm-hmm. used to launch careers. I think there's a West End production coming with a young up and comer playing Eliza Doolittle. But um, okay, uh, but it's been so it's revived. Still hot. It's still a hot show. People still love this. It has been, you know, revived 8,000 times most recently. Yeah, like I said, a couple of years ago. I think it snagged a couple of Tonys that year, too. Uh, but, yeah, it, it keeps getting revived and revived and revived. And there was a really popular one that happened in, like, the mid, like, early 2010s. With, that was the one with Laura Benanti and, I think, Danny Burstein. And, yeah, no, so, basically, yes. It did, keeps, you, did you see any of them, too? The no, newer ones? I, I the really wanted to okay. see the newer one, and I missed it. I, it hit, like, right around yeah. the time COVID hit, and uh, we missed uh-huh. out, sadly, on that. But um, I've seen about 
you know, 8,000 regional and high school. It's a very popular high school show. Um, it's sure, a very sure. popular college show. It's just a very popular show. It's fun. Like, I like the show a lot. Um, I like a lot of the music in it. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty solid show. Okay. And and from my memory of the movie, again, which I've not seen since maybe high school, because I haven't really watched it since I stopped watching with my mom. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to revisit this one, too. Cool. Um, well, let's go ahead and check it out. Uh, listen to this break, and then we will be back to discuss our fair lady—not my fair lady, our fair, our lady. fair lady. Let's. This, she's, she's a fair she's lady ours. for us all. Um, a fair for lady for all seasons. No, or just fair lady. She's not. Yeah. No one owns her. She's, she's like just a fair lady. She's her fair lady. It's fair yeah, lady. She's her own fair lady. <laughs> she's her own. I think George Bernard Shaw would like that title even better. Yeah, her uh, own fair her lady. Own fair lady. My own private fair lady. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Right. <laughs> that uh, took a dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, erase this intro from your memories, audiences, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and with that said, we will have transformed ourselves into less uncouth, more polished people. Let's go watch it. Right. Hey. I'm so sorry. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Curiosity Stream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Hergé, In the Shadow of Tintin. A complex and complicated artist, Georges Rémy created one of the most famous characters in the world, Tintin, for young readers. With exceptional access to his archives, this program looks at Rémy's life and the way he changed the art of comic strips. As a person who makes comics, I enjoyed watching comics being drawn on screen because it reminded me of what I do and I like things that relate to me instead of, you know, not me. That's not fun. You can also get access to our streaming video service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. So you've got CuriosityStream, why Nebula? tell you why because it's a place for smaller indie education type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on youtube with nebula you can see original video essays films documentaries and the like from creators like cat black sarah zed and the always lovely abigail thorne right now you can get curiosity stream and nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year all you got to do is go visit curiositystream.com slash once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to CuriosityStream and Nebula and, and, uh, no, that's just it. It's just those two. But, you know, it's totally worth it. Just trust me. Oh, 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 ooh, we are back. Oh, heavens, what a sound. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was, we have was, returned. We have returned, um... Uh, I'm no longer the uncouth flower girl of the first part of this episode. I am now the uncouth uncouth flower girl of 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 the previous part. I am now a lady who could be mistaken as the consult to a king. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I I literally like to... (laughs) I can talk about my sweaty dumps with their fine and poise now. Uh... (laughs) I have self-actualized into not Eliza, but Eliza. Eliza. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. sweaty dumps in My the rain sweaty. in Spain. <laughs> the, oh, you know, there was that part where she's at the racetracks and she's like, go on, move your blue 
booby ass. It's like booby ass. Booby ass. Is Is me. Um, All right. No. Uh, if our audience is still with us, uh, <laughs> My not. Fair Lady. Yes, My Fair Lady. <laughs> My Fair Lady is the story of uh, the Eliza Doolittle. Yes. Who's this nice lady who picks flowers and tries to sell them on the street, sort of yes. almost like a like the people that show up when you're at a restaurant and try and sell yeah, your roses. Yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a flower girl at Covent Garden. Yeah, yes. uh, of the Victorian era, which, by the way, I think this is like musical number 754 that we've watched that takes place in the Victorian era. Excuse you. This is the Edwardian era. There's oh, I'm sorry, Edwardian. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't see us, but like I was literally just like vibrating. You're just about to punch through the like, Zoom no, call right now to stab Victorian. me. That's, it's Edwardian, damn it. Uh, but Victor, yes. Edward, it's all the same. It's all yeah, the same, no, um, yeah. <laughs> it's the same. Sorry. It's besides the, besides the bonnet me. proper area. Truly, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the Eliza. I'm the pedantic uh, Henry Higgins here. But it is Edwardian London, yes. and she is selling flowers outside of the opera at Covent Garden. And um, somebody, she, someone tells her that like he's writing. Some this guy is writing down everything she's saying, and she has like this yes. like minor freak out. She freaks and, out. Yeah, starts like rustling up all these rich people coming out of the theater, and it turns out it's. Some guy. Uh, it's Henry Higgins, <laughs> Henry a phoneticist. Higgins, a phoneticist and a linguist. phoneticist and linguist and absolute fucking sociopath. <laughs> he, yes, a complete monster of a human being, uh, Henry Higgins, uh, who is, uh, as, as we learned in the beginning, has like this keen ear for accents and can place a person within like six miles of where they are from just by how they talk. And yeah. again, uh, sociopathic behavior, right. kind of a serial killer, like wants to, it like learns how to mimic people and their feelings and their voices so that he right. can murder them later. Right. Which is right. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly He's why he fucking Jack the Ripper. Right. Yeah. He, he definitely <laughs> just like red flags the person. Yeah. Like, uh, and he, he basically belittles Eliza in front of all of these people and, you know, just says all sorts of mean things about the way she talks. And meanwhile, there's like this other like well-to-do gentleman who's like, stop making fun of this poor girl. Yeah. Like, stop tormenting her. And his name is Colonel Pickering. And he also Colonel happens Pickering. to be a, 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 linguist a linguist of sorts who specializes in, in Indian dialects. And then they immediately become best friends because they're both two old bachelors. And well, he had uh, also come to London to see him to, to see him. He yes. was like, I need to find out who you are. He didn't even know. So they basically just they have a meet it's a meet. It's a meet cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a uh, meet cute. Although although Pickering is slightly more of a human being than yeah. uh, than the, the hollow, <laughs> the hollow shell the ho of Henry Higgins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Henry Higgins. But basically, he he bets with uh, Colonel Pickering that he could take Eliza and pass her off as a lady of high society within six months. He's like, I'm that good, basically. Yeah. He's like, I can take the shittiest piece of trash, non-human person. Yeah. Because again, he is a, he's a serial killer. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's like, I can even make this piece of street trash into like, I think he even says something like to that effect, right? Like, right. There's, he this, calls her like squash awful. cabbage leaf. That's yeah. I think he's like the squash cabbage leaf. And he's like uh, people who don't speak properly don't deserve to live. To live, right? <laughs> he fucking lays it on thick. He's he's <laughs> he's 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 awful. He's he's like the worst. And uh, unbeknownst to him, Eliza hears this and is actually like, you yeah. know what? I'm going to take this man up on the offer because she, you know. Is super upward class. mobility. She's yeah. trying to she's she, trying to get a job as a flower assistant in a shop, but they yeah. won't hire her because she doesn't speak properly. So yeah. 
So Eliza decides to show up anyway at Henry Higgins' house and takes him up on his offer. And so basically this deal is established between them where she'll live with him for six months and learn, you know, elocution and how to speak. And uh, Colonel Pickering. Real quick. So Higgins, yeah, Higgins makes a bet with Pickering and Pickering's like, well, I'll pay for like all the expenses to make her like a real human being. And they do a handshake kind of like uh, what's it called? It sort of reminded me a little bit of um, trading places. Yes. Yeah. 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 Trading places is also like a, a retelling of this too. Yeah. Yes. So they're just sort of like, ha, 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 dollar yeah. bet that, like, yeah. you know, I can turn this piece of street trash into, like, a real person. Right, right. and uh, Nature versus nurture kind of thing. And then, uh, but then, you know, in, in fairness to the story, uh, what's, I forget what her name is, like, the head of the house, the oh, lady. Mrs. Pierce. Yes, I think it's Mrs. Mrs. Pierce. Pierce. They yeah. all sort of, like, keep, like, pushing on Higgins to be like, dude, like, what are the terms of right. this? Like, you can't right. just, like, make this and, like. This yeah. woman has no idea what's happening. You can't like you need to give her something. What the fuck is she getting out of it? And he's like, right. what do you mean? She doesn't have feelings. She's trash. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Um, there's like this constant bristling of like, hey, Eliza's <laughs> a person, too. Yeah. Um, and as as like the months go on, it's like lab- like laborious to drag a, a proper round vowel out of her mouth. You know, she's swallowing marbles and stuff. And they decide to take her for a, like a test run of her new skills at like the racetrack where we're kind of introduced to Henry Higgins' mother, who kind of despises mm-hmm. him, which is very funny. Like how much his own mother is just like, God, you sucked. How did I fuck this up yep. so badly? She's like, why are you here? Fucking go away. Yeah. Like, I'm here with like my cool friends wearing black and white outfits and you show up with your stupid yeah. fucking, I don't know, like <laughs> your she, gray suit. Yeah. Yeah. It was like dumbass suit. And Didn't like match. She she even like compares what uh, Henry Higgins and Colonel Pickering are doing is like playing with their like their baby dolls or something like that. Like she's just yeah. like appalled by this whole scenario. Uh, but uh, she manages to catch the eye of this young social climber named Freddie Ainsworth Hill, who finds her very funny because she, you know, despite how well spoken she is, she's telling she ends up telling like a very like rough story about like yeah. one of her family members being murdered. Oh, it's great. It's, it's great. It's totally like the yeah. doctor probably I think the cons- she's like a conspiracy theorist where she's like the doctor killed my mother <laughs> yeah. because she got like the flu she got I forgot what she says. She's they like she had some other in. illness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did something the year before and she was fine, but then when she gets yeah. the flu she dies, like what the fuck? Like yeah. basically <laughs> right. COVID-19 vaccines have fucking <laughs> right. like, you know, microchips in them and 5G and Bill Gates is tracking you. It's like what right. she says. Right. And it's it's Audrey Hepburn <laughs> doing this this very posh voice what they might have done was done her yeah. in and you know freddie is very charmed by this like you know unironically just finds her very interesting and fascinating and then a racehorse happens and she you know drops the mantle immediately and it's like yeah. come on dover move your move your blooming ass which was my favorite scene as a kid but so you know they regroup and then get ready to send her to this uh, ambassador's ball. Like that's where it's like they're yeah. really going to try to nail it and try to like pass yeah. her off as high society. One of Henry Higgins' rivals, who's this like Hungarian linguist. If I can pass like Eliza off against this guy, I'll know I've done it. And he's just like his own kind of weird, slimy little greaseball guy too, who's just like, who is she, and how can I get my hooks on her? You know, and yeah. like uh, meanwhile. Uh, you know, Eliza does what she had agreed to do and she charms this Romanian princess or whatever, like, and becomes like the belle of the ball for the night. Mm-hmm. And um, slowly becoming dead eyed as she like yes. becomes 
more a part of the uh, the elite. This yeah. is sort of like the soul is getting sucked out of her body and she's right. sort of like, I'm dying on the inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, they, you know, but she succeeds. Nevertheless, they go home and all Colonel Pickering and Henry Higgins want to talk about is how brilliant they are and how they did yeah, it. They're and like, like, we're geniuses. I'm so great. Oh, yeah. Also, and there's a couple songs sprinkled in about how like women are awful. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Like all to add insult to injury, there's like yeah. entire like musical numbers about yeah. like why are why are women suck so much? Why can't yeah. they be more fucking bro like yeah. us? Like why there's whole songs they? about it. Yeah, there's there's like a uh, uh, let a woman in your life and then a hymn to him, which is a very funny title. <laughs> uh, you know, which is it's just Henry Higgins being like, why aren't women more like men? And there's yeah. there's a lot to unpack in that character there. But, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like they're basically celebrating themselves. <laughs> Watching this movie made me embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. just, please, like, for the love of God, no. Yeah. No. Um, but then, so yeah, uh, Eliza, elsewhile um, uh, after like the race and in between all this ball thing, like Freddie Ainsworth Hill keeps seeking out Eliza in earnest because mm-hmm. he's just so into her. And so after the success at the ball, Eliza decides to fuck off. You know, she's just like, yeah. they don't appreciate the thing, me. Because it's over now. So this yeah. is the downward slope of the second half like right. after the intermission. So she basically is like, fuck this. Yeah. Everyone's treating me like shit. What, yeah. you, what can I take? What am I going to? And then yeah. basically again. So fucking Higgins is like, wait, what? You have feelings? Yeah. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. She leaves and yeah. like takes some of her stuff and then runs into yeah. her dad. And it turns out her dad is now yeah. oh, her dad is super a... rich. Yeah. The, uh... I think because of the the dude, the American, whatever, like the philosophy fucking circuit of speaking or something. I don't know. Yeah. He gives a shit. He's a piece yeah. of shit. He got a bunch of fucking money. It's the night before his wedding. Yeah. He gave a bunch of money. Dapper. Yeah. And yeah. they sing, I'm getting married in the morning. Ding dong. The bells are gonna chime. Yeah. And it's just like. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's, it's like a 10 fun. minutes basically right. in like the story where they're like, who cares about Eliza's smile? Yeah. Let's just talk about how her dad's like sad yeah. that he has to keep drinking to get married. Right. Now he's got middle-class values. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no, now I have, it's, he's like, it's a tragedy for me actually. Cause now I have to have like virtue <laughs> yeah. now. And then, you know, sings this long 10 minute song about how he wants to get fucked up. Uh, one last yeah. go before he has to subscribe to these. Uh, middle class virtues and uh, then Eliza ends up at Henry Higgins mom's house and his mom is just like I don't know how you learned anything with my son my son is a fuck up yeah Uh, she's like sorry yeah and Eliza says the only way I really learned how to be a lady was through Colonel Pickering who even though I was a flower girl he talked to me like I was a lady whereas like your son is always going to talk to me like I'm a flower girl like I'm trash beneath Mm -hmm. his feet that Mm -hmm. sort of thing and Henry Higgins then shows up at his mom's and his mom like reproaches him and is like, I have the vicar coming over. You need to leave because you're an asshole (laughs) and nobody (laughs) likes you. And uh, then it it has a scene with Eliza and Henry Higgins where they basically fight it out. Like everything like that Eliza has been sitting on for the last six months has been coming out. She says, I'm going to marry Freddie. Like, fuck you. Freddie cares about me. Freddie doesn't have any. And I'm going to work, too. She's like, I have to support him. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to work. I'm going to support myself. I could even teach elocution to people, you know. And he gets offended. Yeah, basically, she's like, I'm going to take the skills that you gave me and fucking teach other people. Fuck you. Right, exactly. And, like, you know, leaves. And so he goes back to his place and has this realization that, you know, the enormity of his feelings that he had had for Eliza you know, it's like emo down. and listening to like looking at old text messages, basically like reading oh, yeah. her fucking or listening to a recording that he put onto his whatever yeah, vinyl. He, he, right. Cause he records her yeah. throughout the show speaking and he, yeah. he plays this recording of the very first time she shows up at his house and is asking for lessons. And then Eliza shows up 
And he says, oh, where are my damn slippers? Because, you know, slippers. Yeah. it's like he's jimmy cheeky, right? It's meant yeah. to be like a gag. Like, he's just like, oh, I didn't learn anything. Ha ha. But I really right. did. And she and, knows this. And then uh, it ends. And the and ending ends. is very infamous. Like this ending. Uh, there's a lot yeah. to talk about here because um, I didn't mention this in the first act. But George mm. Bernard Shaw was so against the idea of people wanting uh Eliza and Henry Higgins to end up together, which happened as soon as the play premiered. As soon as the play premiered, people were already like behind his back restaging it for them to end up together. Because how it ends in the play is like they have that fight and she basically tells him to fuck off. And like it ends with him laughing over the idea of her marrying Freddie. And that's how it ends. But people were already beginning to add like scenes at the end where they get together. (laughs) They're shipping them now. Shipping them. (laughs) Like uh, people were writing letters to George Bernard Shaw, you know, to such an extent. What's wrong with them? Yeah. Like uh, people, people love an enemies to lovers trope, I guess at the end of the day. Uh, Like people love that shit. Would have been great if he jumped off a bridge and fucking died or got (laughs) killed like in that (laughs) lineup, like in her fantasy. That's, that would have been the appropriate ending. He'd gotten so much fan mail about it. So many people were trying to convince him to restage it with with the, this happier ending that uh, he wrote a really long epilogue essay that he attached to the play where he basically had to lay out <laughs> exactly what he thinks happens to all of those characters. And it's, yeah, Liza marries Freddie and like they have some hard times with money, but Colonel Pickering bails them out and she and Henry Higgins are friends, you know, and like that's the extent to which like. He would give to that. And then this, and is, I, this is before the fandom of like Twitter. So like even right, back in their right. day, he was getting like harassed about it. That's a uh, poor guy. He yeah. was right. They should yeah. not have ended up together. He's <laughs> right. like, fine, you fucking idiots. I'll do this just so you'll shut the fuck up. Right. He gave them this epilogue where it was just like, see, they're friends at the end. And here you can shut up and leave me alone. And then in 1938, when they made a movie yep. out of it, um, which he was very enthusiastic about. And the movie is very like pretty close to the play. Honestly, My Fair Lady, the musical is very close to the play, except in, I guess, tone and ending. But um, mm-hmm. uh, the, in the movie, they they went ahead and added a happy ending to the, basically the ending that we have in My Fair Lady to oh. this against George oh. Bernard Shaw's wishes. That <laughs> and, poor man. That yeah, poor man. I know. I know. Just like everyone just being like, no, but we want them to be together. And it's just like, he's like, I am not making Love Never Dies. I'm not doing this shit. I am not. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> No, like this is, there's a point to why Eliza leaves him. It's because she's self-actualized and like there's yeah. it, it's been nothing but men using her and she finally has, you know, the ground to stand up and say fuck you, which she kind of has been doing the whole show anyway. Like she's always known she's a good person and she's always known she could be, you know, something more than what she was, but like, you know, she's finally reached this moment and is able to say like fuck you bye, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, yeah, yeah. Like, to him, he's like, that's the point of it. Like, his other big play, Major Barbara, is also about, like, you know, women's rights and universal rights and, and, and suffragism. But, like, this, to me, I like My Fair Lady, be- or not My Fair Lady, but Pygmalion, because it's it's a lot less, it's a lot more subtle, her journey to being like, I don't need you people. All you people do is use poor women to make points or, yeah. you know, as jokes or props. Um, and then, yeah, now it's just kind of spiraled into its own thing with My Fair Lady. Um, which... Yeah, I mean, this this kind of criticism of the show is like not new by any stretch of the imagination. And I think I mentioned this in the first uh, act of this episode, but uh, in 2018, Mm -hmm. there was a revival of this. And um, notoriously, it still had the ending where she comes back to the office or Henry Higgins Mm -hmm. office and does the I wash my face and hands. I did. And he says, you know, you know, go get my slippers. And then she immediately turns around and leaves and like, which is like, and it got like this big ass applause and it was this big controversy because 
it is, you know, effectively changing how the learner in low musical ends, you know, by having her go, but it doesn't change anything in the text per se. It's just all in direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was, that was, uh, in its own right, controversial. super controversial. It was also like during like the height of like me too. So it, it ended up, you know, getting sure, all right, this conversation right. about that. And like, what do we do with my fair lady in the me too age? But you know, a lot of people were like, well, but I still really like the show because, um, if you ever read the Pygmalion, as much as some mm-hmm. of it, a lot of it is Rex Harrison's portrayal of Henry Higgins, um, but also like uh-huh. he's somehow even worse in the play. Like the play does not, rem- <laughs> the play does not remit. Jesus on- Christ, that's yeah. like the favorable depiction of Henry Higgins, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, like you have like accustomed most of what Henry Higgins has in in My Fair Lady in terms of like growth is all very internal. If you can call mm-hmm. it growth, like um, I've grown accustomed sure. to her face, you know, like you can't really do that in a play, have a character say all this shit out loud, sure. you know, unless it's like this long, hyper unrealistic monologue. monologue and that's not yeah, how yeah. George Bernard Shaw was as a writer. But like, uh, he, like I went ahead and watched some of this 2018 production just because I was like very okay. curious to see what they did with it. And like Henry Higgins is a little younger. He's played a lot more like straight. He's less of like. It was interesting. It was like he's just more of a, a perfectionist about diction and less of like he's just kind of an asshole as a side effect. I see. It was it was it was very interesting because like as much as I've seen My Fair Lady and I know it and like it's one of those shows that's just a part of my early childhood. Like Rex Harrison is something, you know. <laughs> he's a choice. He's a choice. He's it is a big choice and like um you know also I've come mm. to associate him with Stewie Griffin from Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> whose who, whose voice is based on Rex Harrison in this movie? And oh, specifically, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's specifically really meant to be Rex Harrison <laughs> in My Fair Lady, and that tracks I, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like there's there's even a whole episode. I I you know shame myself saying that I know this, but there's a whole episode of Family Guy where he sings "I've Grown Accustomed to Her Face" about Lois, <laughs> like, <laughs> and about how oh he God. doesn't want to kill her all the time, you know. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, well, that is kind of very true to my fair lady. He's kind of likes her now and doesn't want to throttle her, yeah. you know. Uh, um, Jesus Christ. I, I go back and forth because I, I do really enjoy a lot of things about my fair lady. I love the music. I love a lot of the songs. I even like this idea mm-hmm. of like the very rom-com-ish, like people who hate each other having to work together is like one of my favorite stupid tropes, you know, <laughs> you know? like no, I that's love. Fine. It's uh, what do they call it? That's uh, that's uh, I'm drawing a bike, not workplace comedy. It's um. It is a screwball comedy is the is the specific yeah. definition of, of that tr- yes. of that kind of story, specifically battle of the sexes in the workplace who have to right. work together and then they end right. up falling yeah. Like I do <laughs> I do I do have a soft spot for a good screwball comedy and there's a lot in My Fair Lady that I like and I do like the the way that some of George Bernard Shaw's class commentary kind of works its way up into <laughs> like the actual musical. Yeah, yeah. Um and I find that I very interesting. I, but I think the bigger issue probably as far as this adaptation, having only seen this one, sure. has to do, and I talk about this all the time, right? It's it's point of view, like whose perspective is the sure, story sure. being told from? Yeah. And I would argue that it feels like it's it's a lot of, it, it sort of gives equal weight to both yeah. characters. Like mm-hmm. it, it almost puts even more on Higgins' side than her side. Absolutely. And yeah. I feel like that's, and again, like those songs, I was like the bro songs of like, just why are you all like so emotional and not cool like a bro right right like it, the inclusion of those songs and like expanding those moments and giving them 
a sort of fancy free like ha 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 sure 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 like look at all this playful right, all yeah. this playful misogyny <laughs> like, yeah yeah exactly like it yeah. excuses the misogyny and it sort of it buries it into like yeah dude just fucking women suck isn't it yeah. cool? like it's it's very uh, that that part of it is what really makes it takes away from that idea sure, I think. Yeah, and i would yeah. imagine that that's probably because and that's more as a result of the musical and not necessarily in the actual text of the play like it's yeah. by, by it, it, it's interesting i don't think we've talked about something like this before but like deciding which songs or moments to highlight sure will yeah, ultimately yeah. like take the narrative in a different direction as opposed to if they had given her like i don't know a couple of songs being like why are men terrible to me and they all like use sure. me like that, that would have just been an equally as or not equally uh, probably a more valid choice i would say mm-hmm. yeah right? just having it uh, well i do like yeah, I mean, it's yeah. on the nose, but you know what I'm saying, like. Yeah, I, it's it's just there's so much of like the, the 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 playful misogyny in this that like like I'm like okay like have let a woman in your life and then a him to him we get it like um yeah. it, that's always like the the fine line when you're trying to make someone a buffoon for being a misogynist like there's a very infamous character in Sondheim's A Little Night Music who has this song that is basically a song like that, but it's the only song in the show and he's meant to be a pig. It's followed by a song called my husband, the pig. And like, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's kind of like, I don't know, like for as much as, yeah, you're, like everyone's like, yeah, Henry Higgins sucks. It still is just kind of like, I don't, I don't need characters to be, you know, punished for being shitty people, but like, there's just so much of it, you know, <laughs> like so much of it, uh, that yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't I, I, I say this as someone who likes the show, but it doesn't and it doesn't, you know, detract from my opinion of it. But it definitely does has not aged well. No, I would agree. And, and it doesn't. And a part of that, too, is that, like I said, it's its point of view. It's also the direction is in, mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of like what is the like, how is the story being told? Like what who's who are you supposed to empathize with or sympathize sure. with in this? And it does. It sort of takes this like, I don't know. This is just sort of how it went down. And this, right. it, it's not it doesn't really like editorialize in some way although mm-hmm. like i feel like it does still favor the rich side of it and mm-hmm. like i said this the sort of the the sociopathic tendencies that he sure. has like don't really get interrogated or questioned it just sort of seems like oh she right. does have feelings i feel bad right like i guess i guess with like the george bernard shaw play um especially because like uh with with oh, sorry i mean so with the play like i said he's much more of just like a straightforward asshole and kind of you know you don't have these moments of internal like thought that you get with like a custom to her face where it's definitely trying to play this more as like a romantic comedy than a comedy of like manners and class, mm. you know? So like that's, that's, I guess kind of where it gets confusing because Henry Higgins in the play can be a, a real dipshit. Um, but <laughs> it, it it's less about them having, having any sort of romantic relationship versus the two of them must, you know, have to work together and he inadvertently develops feelings along the way, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not played for romance, obviously. Is it very much pissed George Bernard Shaw off that people were like, oh, this guy, like, they, they must be attracted to each other, you know? Um, and I, I think it within the play and obviously within My Fair Lady that there was, you know, a moment of just like, oh, they have this spark where they like getting like each other's hackles up and like that's kind of filling for both of them in some ways but like it's not the basis of an actual romantic relationship that's like trauma that they're just like i'm used to being with somebody who's like disregards me and is mean right. to me and i'll fall back into the arms of the same per- same kind of person in my adult relationships right 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 therapy <laughs> right like there's even that there's even that moment where like eliza's like you can hit me for all you want i've been hit before and like you know you yeah. can't do anything to me that other men haven't already done to me you know and it's yeah. just kind of like like that, like it is like this, like that moment where Eliza just tells him all finally and is like, you know, yeah, you you can't do anything to me that hasn't been done to me already. And I can 
I know that I'm worth more than that. And it's like really powerful. But then <laughs> immediately like she's back like, hey, how's it going? Hey, and, you know, it, it's still like open ended for all, you know, they just, you know, agree to disagree and be friends. And, you know, but like, yeah, it definitely points to a more romantic ending. Um, <laughs> like, yep. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a bit of um, it's a confusing show. I was very surprised by it, mm. honestly. Like, obviously, there's a degree to which you're like, okay, like different times, like mm. things are like, you know, mm. I, I don't expect everything to be like the exact same thing of like having today's standards, but that, but sure. something that's so revered as like such a classic that everybody sure, loves sure. and still yeah. talks about. I was like, wow, this is like really cruel and awful. I was, I was kind of taken aback by that. Like, sure. Having just seen it for the first time in 2022. And is that, I don't know if that's the consensus or is, is it just sort of, like like you said, your mom loved this growing up, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Has has your mom watched it again recently and been like, "Oh, this is actually just fucking like they're they're so awful to her." Like, uh, I think it's with the realization that yes, they were awful to her. My, you know, if I had to unpack why my mom likes My Fair Lady, I think I'd, you know, not to put her on the chopping you block, know, but right, like, right. just as an example. Of, I think it would, you know, involve a therapist um, of of, <laughs> of some good caliber. But like, I don't know. I think. It's just one of those things where, like, a lot of people tend to gravitate towards, like, romantic conflict as, like, entertainment. And I'm not a, I don't know. Like, this one I have to sit and think about, actually, for a lot longer before I articulate this. This this was my armchair thought of it, right? My armchair therapist thought of it was that, like, if you're a kid, Mm -hmm. I can see why you would relate to this. Because... If you're infant, I mean, obviously, like, from an adult's perspective, like, it's gross and they've totally infantilized her. Yeah. But... From a kid's perspective, like if you're younger, it's like, oh, haha, she doesn't want to like talk normal or take mm. a bath or like, right. you know, do all this stuff that like grownups want you to sure. do. Like she's just like trying to be like a normal kid and like yeah. get dirty and run around and have fun and yeah. like doesn't want to grow up, quote unquote, grow up. Like mm-hmm. I could see how you could be indoctrinated into this film when you were younger. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Because of that. And then maybe not necessarily, I don't know. I'm like reading into it too much, but I, 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 that was the only thing I could sort of think like, okay, maybe that was part of it. And the songs are all sure. very, very catchy. They're very, they're hella catchy, man. I like have had them stuck in my head all damn week. Um, but I did want, I, I was thinking about this cause I rewatched one of my, my favorite movies of, uh, the last like 10 years, uh, last week, which is Phantom Thread, which is also about an artist needs oh, right, relationship right. gone super toxic and bad. And I, yeah. I, I sat there one, like sitting there going like, why do I like stories like this? You know, like this Pygmalion, like, yeah. uh, and I, I, I just think there's something that George Bernard Shaw was getting at that the musical is kind of detracted of, of just this idea of self-actualization that really happens on your own terms and the dude just being a conduit and not really the reason why. Um, and like realizing that you have agency despite, you know, being used by other people is like really, really powerful. And that's why I think like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens on Sunday in the park with George. Debatably, it even happens. Right, at actually, that was, that was the other one I was thinking of too. And yeah. I was trying to, I was, I was thinking about it in my head because, you know, and I'm not making the argument that like, I, I obviously I never say this in anything. I'm like, it, it doesn't have to be moral to be good. Right. Sure, like, sure, sure. In fact, if it's immoral, it's like more interesting to watch on some sure. level. I guess it's more just it's it's the dissonance to me of like it being as it, I, I my perception of this as being such like a plucky, fun, 
you sure, know, like sure. upbeat thing, and then yeah. just being like, "What the fuck?" fuck? Dude, I, I was just so shocked by like how cruel it is. And I mean, as someone it, who's, I, I don't seem to ever get that from people when they're sure. talking about my fair oh, lady, sure. which is what's so bizarre. Like, yeah, I, that's really what it is. That's really, I think, what I'm trying to get the point I was trying to make. I think because like uh, Oscar Hammerstein passed on making my fair lady or Pygmalion rather into a musical because he's like, "There's no romance," and <laughs> um, yeah, like this would never work as a you know, as 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 a musical. And I think. Ultimately, yeah, setting My Fair Lady to, you know, this this format puts it at odds with its own message that is there in the play. And like, I haven't watched My Fair Lady in a really long time. And again, I still really like it. But like, it definitely yeah. like completely evaporates like what George Bernard Shaw was trying to say. Yeah. And I can admit that. And, you know, I'm happy that like other narratives have taken this kind of thread and done something more with it because I do find it a very interesting one. And I still really, really like it. But like, yeah, like. Yeah, like I, 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 it really does kind of shoot itself in its own foot. And this 2018 <laughs> version, trying to make amends with it, was interesting because it's kind of like, well, why do we still tell this show? Like, and I think at the end of the day, you know, without being like cynical, people just really like one Cinderella stories, which is what this kind of mm-hmm. is. Two, they like yeah. artist muse stories. Um, and three, like romantic conflict is just such a big fucking you know, ass grabber of seats. If that makes sense, you know, <laughs> ass grabber of seats, an, an ass grabber of I, seats. I'm so articulate here. I'm Eliza uh, Doolittle. I, I think also, at least in regards to this film, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's very grand. It's very beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Particularly that scene of, you know, where they're at the, the races, right. Like mm-hmm. they're all wearing these like perfect, like it's so insane. Like the yeah. level of detail of like those black and white outfits that they're all wearing. Yeah. And, it's gorgeous. And that set with it's gorgeous. And yeah. you know, Audrey Hepburn's always like, you know, people love watching her. She's always great. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, it's kind of almost like a bait and switch, I guess. Is like, yeah. Yeah. No, it has the know. trappings of a real romantic comedy, but the message of it is, is, is so antithetical to that. Like again, George, George Bernard Shaw's probably listening to us talk right now. Just going like, thank you. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Right. you know, like that. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's how people fall into the show and get wrapped up into it. And you know, there's a lot of appealing things about it that we've talked about, like the tropes and everything and, and the beautiful costumes and stuff that like, yeah, like again, I don't, need a story to have a you know a moral or like modern bent right right, right. for it to That's be good what, exactly but it, like yeah like it it being a musical does put it at <laughs> the actual text at it's, odds with it. it's dissonant yeah and it's yeah. it's the point of view like i said i think it's it it it's trying to be like you said a, a romantic comedy that's upbeat and fun and, and yeah. really like the text of it is trying to tell you something totally different and right right it doesn't it doesn't really i i for me anyway like it doesn't land it doesn't sure. seem like a counterpoint as much sure, as it sure. feels like a they're trying to brush over and like yeah. sort of endorse some of the worst aspects of it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like that inclination that Oscar Hammerson had where he said there's no romance is like, yeah, right. <laughs> like there's no there's no, uh, you know, I, I could see why people find it romantic, um, you know, it, it to each their own. But like, yeah, like it really wants to be this screwball romantic comedy. But yeah, yeah, we're just saying the same. Yeah, it's just like. Yeah. Nope, no. no like, oh no no. You were talking about you're talking about Sunday in the Park with George. Right? I thought I was oh. thinking about that actually as I was watching this, and because I remember we had a whole conversation where you were talking about like Dot's journey and her yeah, and her self actualization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, it, it put that into perspective for me. Where sure. I was like, that 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 really does that musical does take make it a point to sort of like highlight that and yeah and talk about that and show that this is you know one of the things I enjoyed about that conversation. I was sure. like, hey, you're right. Anything it this doesn't do that. Yeah, no, right, right, right. It's like it picked up where the do big, that. Right, it picked off where my fair lady left off, and like, 
you know, had something a little bit. Well, I mean, granted, this was written like another 30 years after My Fair Lady was written and had, you know, that level of hindsight behind it. But also it's a different story than My Fair Lady. Like, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I just um, I love seeing people just tackle this dynamic. I really want to watch uh, a My Fair Lady that ends like Phantom Thread where she's like poisoning uh, Henry Higgins. That would have been amazing. Great. Like that was like. Or if he dies. All I could think about was like, how can I rewrite uh, My Fair Lady to be Phantom Thread? Because it is, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's it's begging to be retold. I, I think it's like a very good uh, thing to be retold to give like a proper point of view. Sure, sure. And then you change an ending and then it's like, okay, cool. People will love it and you can see yeah. it. And it's like you said, it's the class warfare thing. Like that's front and center. That's something that's relevant that people will care about right now. Right, right, right. Just yeah, exactly. Take out the fucking romance and, from it and then people right. will love it. <laughs> like, and you do like the Pygmalion still or Pygmalion rather still an immensely popular play that gets staged repeatedly, you know, these high level productions of it, because I think that message of self-actualization is still really, obviously we've not fixed it. We've, it's amazing how far we've come and we've not fixed it, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I guess even, even with that hindsight and then looking at my fair lady where it's like, it's okay that we didn't fix it. She's going to fetch his slippers. You know, it does feel, it feels like, yeah, it doesn't quite land as well as it did when I was a 10 year old and didn't think about these things <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. But that said, I yeah. still appreciate it existing. I, it's my favorite learner and low the show. Music's very catchy. It's so catchy. I've had uh, I could have danced all night stuck in my head. Like my, my, yeah. my, my, my daughter came downstairs while I was watching it and she was like, that's the pretty song. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. I mean, I love that song when I was a kid. So, you know, like mother, like daughter. But yeah, just just definitely one of the more I'm not again, I like it, but like one of the more hmm at entries into the uh, kind yeah. of canon of musical theater. Yeah, it's I gotta uneven. say I was a little dis- disappointed. I was yeah. not I mean I don't hate it, but I was like I was very thrown sure. off by it. I, sure, I, I, sure. I maybe maybe if I watch it again in like a month or something, like knowing all the, knowing like going into it like what it is now, like sure. I wonder if it's like Upon review, like there just wasn't enough time to watch it again. Sure. It's also like a fucking three hour movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a movie. <laughs> that could have been cut a lot, but that's, yeah. that's another conversation altogether. But yeah. I wonder if going back and watching it a second time and not having it be, yeah. not having the expectation in my mind, I would have feel, I would feel differently about it. It's so also, I will, I'll revisit it at some it's point. It's also, again, like the whole third act happens in like 10 minutes. And like, yeah. So like, like, I'm like, if that third act had been maybe a little bit longer and the first act a little bit shorter and like you could have a little bit more room for introspection before, you know, they have this final moment. Uh, I'm not here to play fix it with with Lerner. Oh, and no, Lo, I'm always but, here to play fix it. That's what I do when know, I watch it. You can cut a couple like, songs. Yeah, I, actually, you know what? You're right. Extend the last act a little bit longer. Cut mm. a few of the songs out, like mm. the really terrible misogynistic ones. Maybe mm. cut out the like. Get me to the church on time because oh. that doesn't matter at that point. Like I love that. I love that. Like, that's it's so a catchy, stupid. That's the thing, though. It's a it's catchy so song, catchy. right? It's so catchy. It's, and it's catchy. so stupid, and I love it. But uh, but it, yeah. it doesn't really push at that point in the story. Like it doesn't matter. You know sure. what I mean? Like it's sort yeah. of it, to me, it feels like a total fucking tangent. Yeah. And and also, oh, I'll say this one other thing too that I noticed as I was watching it just directorially. Mm-hmm. It's very like there's not much. I mean, obviously you don't have to have this, but it, there's barely any like dancing or like fancy. Sure. It doesn't really get heightened when it goes into the songs. It barely feels like musically, sure. if that's like a, the proper word in the sense of like what we're used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that 100%. And I think it's obviously it's a symptom of the time, but it's also it doesn't seem to really. I mean, what was it? it's Kukor that directed, right? He doesn't seem to like give two shits about the songs as much sure. as like. He's like, I'm just going to tell this like straightforward and sure, there'll be songs in here because there need to be. But otherwise, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it doesn't seem to change anything at those moments. 
Right. Like there's only a couple of moments where it kind of leans into the fact that it gets to be a musical and gets to be stylized. Like there's this whole scene towards the beginning where like London is kind of waking up and everyone just kind of pauses in yeah, these yeah, like yeah. tableaus. And then like, yeah, the, the ascot gavotte where everyone is like looking into the middle distance. But other than that, it doesn't really, it just kind of is like, it really doesn't do any of that, which is okay. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah, it just was like, it's, but it also, it seems like half in half out. It's yeah. sort of, I feel like it should have committed to it totally one way or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My other takeaway is like, as much as I do enjoy Audrey Hepburn, I really would have liked to have seen Julie Andrews in this. But um, I have one question for you. One last question uh-huh. that like I think I, I wasn't quite clear about, but I'm pretty sure I understood what it was. So yeah. when she's going to take a bath initially, we're like the the madam of the house. I'm not madam. The, she's not a madam at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, she, the head of the house, like the yeah. head uh, cleaning lady. Mrs. Yeah. Pierce mm-hmm. sort of takes her in and she's like, we're going to give you a bath. And then Eliza keeps screaming like, I'm a good girl. I'm a good girl. Mm-hmm. Is she under the impression that like he's like going to prostitute her out and they're trying to wash? Like that was what I, I thought when I was watching I, it. I, was I like, think Is she's that- a, yeah, she's a little leery of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got that read from it, too. And she's like, wait, what the fuck are this? Is this dude's intentions? Get me butt naked. You know, <laughs> right, just, he keeps saying, like, I'm a good girl because he's also like, I'm going to make sure that because the scene before it, she's like, who would want to marry me? And he's like. When I'm done with you, every dude on the street is going to want to like fucking right. be into you. And like, right. I, I, right. But that was the subtext of that where she's that's what she kept saying. I'm a good girl. I'm a good right, girl. She's right, like, right, right. A- yeah. yeah. No, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I think I think your reading of that was right. And yeah, okay. um, like that character would understand to be like, why, why am I having a bath right now? Like, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> guys, guys. Uh, but yeah, so my fair lady definitely like this was an interesting one for me because um, usually if I if I if I'm familiar with it, my feelings about it remain the same as they were. Um, mm. And this one, I definitely had some uh, thinking to do. And uh, you know what, yeah. George Bernard Shaw, I raise my glass to you. You George tried, Bernard man. Shaw was right. That's a good yeah. T-shirt. Just put that. George on. Bernard Shaw was right. Fan fiction is awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't let people enjoy your work ever. Uh, no, if you have to write, to <laughs> if you have to write a long ass essay telling people why these characters should not romantically be together, <laughs> I'm like, hmm. Although maybe maybe that's on you, bud. Maybe that's on you. Maybe you need to go and sit down and think about what you wrote. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I do like in the sense of like fan fandom has always existed, and uh, yeah. my fair lady is 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 great evidence of of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, guys. Well. Let us know about your thoughts on your, uh, what, what do we call her? Her own fair lady. Is her own fair, yeah. Her fair lady for her, she. Her own, her own fair lady for she. <laughs> for she. Uh, my fair lady. Whatever your thoughts are, please let yeah. us know. If, on, if you've been uh, in a high school production of it or a college production oh, yeah, of it. yeah, we always love seeing the pictures. Love seeing that. And this is a popular uh, show for that. Uh, yeah, please, please show pictures, thoughts. If you saw the 2018 version, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that as well, too. And share with us on Twitter at yes. Musical Splainin with no G at yep. Instagram, uh, or sorry at Instagram at, <laughs> <laughs> at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. Although sharing your thoughts there, as I've mentioned before, is very very difficult to uh, engage with. So yeah, it on it's not shoppable. Can. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, of course, I am at Covetarian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Yep, and I am Y Angelina Y on Twitter and Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram. And please, please, please follow our sponsor links. Yes. Go and leave us good reviews. Yes. Tell the world about how much you love this podcast and how please. we're both geniuses who are yes. great. And um, yes. we can show that to our moms and maybe they'll finally understand. Love us. It. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I spoke. I spoke a little out of turn there. Both. Maybe they'll love us and think that we're cool. Yes, think us. You know, not be like Henry Higgins' mom, who just thinks we're yes. all little assholes having fun. I mean, she's she's right though. She's right. Like, she's, she's right. She's yeah, right. She's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. Uh, assessment of percent. Right. We're just two confirmed bachelors just being dumbasses thinking we're brilliant. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to go enjoy the rain in, in Spain, Spain on a plane, plane in, in Bahrain. In Clegane's yes, ass cheeks. Yes, they're seeing tr- tr- <laughs> the band Train. But, I like you know, that. I brought Clegane back into you it just did. for you. Thank you so much. Truly a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>